reading today is from Luke chapter 1. You can listen along uh, with me as I read it, or look up there, or turn in your Bible or on your phone if you want to see it, or you can close your eyes and soak in it. This is Luke 1, we're going to start in verse 57. When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy, and they shared her joy. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. You remember the story, Zechariah can't speak, right? But his mother spoke up and said, no, he is to be called John. They said to her, there is, there is no one among your relatives who has that name. Then they made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. He asked for a writing tablet, and to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, his name is John. Immediately, his mouth was opened and his tongue set free, and he began to speak, praising God. All the neighbors were filled with awe, and throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all these things. Everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, what then is this child going to be? The Lord's hand was with him. His father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, Praise be the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through his holy prophets of long ago, Salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant. The oath he swore to our father Abraham to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. The child grew, became strong in spirit, and he lived in the wilderness until he appeared publicly to Israel. Amen. Did you catch that one line in there? This one. Because of the tender mercy of our God. This song of Zechariah that he just just released by the Holy Spirit in him. All these different things. Praising God and salvation from our enemies and forgiveness of sin and peace. There's one line. This one line gives us the why. All of these things are happening. It's because of the tender mercy of our God. This is the foundation for the Christmas story. The life of Jesus. The whole Bible. It is the foundation of the universe, in fact. It is that God is love. His nature is love. That He is good. He is light. 
And in Him, there is no darkness at all. All that the incarnation is, that Jesus coming, and all these things that are listed in this passage, it's all because of the tender mercy of God. He loves us. He cares about us. He feels for us. He likes us. Earlier in this chapter, um, the birth of John the Baptist is foretold, and his mission is described like this. Here's what it says. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. God wanted his precious creations to come back to him, to know him, to know his love, above all else to enjoy him. And he wants even to restore love in families and communities as well, turning the hearts of parents, those hardened by the darkness in their lives after decades of living on this earth. Yes, parents, he wants to start with you, right? He wants to turn their hearts back to each other. He's, he's, he's pushing love into the earth and into families. Now, we often resist love. I know that I do. I brush off a compliment. I don't fully embrace someone who's looking to connect with me. Why? Why do we do that? Why do we refuse love? Well, here's a couple thoughts. Uh, control. Love requires a certain amount of surrender of control. It opens you up to being hurt. And that then brings in fear and avoidance of potential pain. But here's the key, guys. If we want to know love, if we want to know this love of God, like not just hear about it from someone talking and have an idea in our minds, but actually know and, and experience the love of God that is poured out in Jesus, we have to surrender our lives. If we do not surrender, we cannot know love. Listen to what Jesus says in John 12. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. As death is the path to life, surrender is the path to love. We have to surrender our plans, our dreams, our desires, our needs to God. Everything. This is the limiting factor. When we are sensing we're not feeling the love of God, 
most often the case is because we have not surrendered ourselves to God. And we've, we, and we've expected a one-way relationship. Oftentimes I find myself waiting from God to do something to help me know His love or to be more loving in my life. I'm waiting for that Paul on the road to Emmaus moment. I'm thinking, okay, God, one of these days you're finally going to come through for me so that I can know how much you love me and actually like live that out in my own family. That's a problem. God already did that on the cross. I remember this one time, I just um, thinking some of these thoughts, and the Lord just gave me this vivid impression of Jesus on the cross. And I, I just couldn't get it out of my mind. We're, guys, we're not waiting for the zap. We need to surrender. God is calling all lovers. Who wants to live? Come and die. Who wants to see love multiply like weeds? Surrender control to me. Who wants to see love bubble up within them and flow out of them like a mighty river which touches the nations of the earth? Jesus says, come to me and give me your life. Give me your attention. Give God your heart. Give him the space to love you. Surrender your time, your thoughts. Receive His grace. The tender mercy. His gentle patience. Don't run. He loves you. The story of the prodigal son slash God, as Tim Keller phrased it in Luke 15, uh, paints a picture of two ways that we can relate to God that are uh, faulty. Both sons relate to God in a way of their their father in the story with control. Right? The the, the older son, sorry, the younger son is like, hey, I'm not following you. I'm going my own way. Give me what I have. I'm running my life. And walks out of the house. The older son, more like many of us religious folks, stays in the father's house But his heart is actually the same. And he is also using control to get what he wants. He's playing the part of the good boy so that the dad will give him what he wants. So we can reject God and go our own way. We can try to do better so that God will give me what I want and retain control or we can die right now. And give God your life. And receive His love. And let that effortlessly flow out of you. We, we really have a choice here. I think oftentimes many of us get caught up, maybe I'm just preaching to myself, of just trying to do better when the Christian life is meant to be so much more than that. It is meant to be effortless love that pours out of our hearts. Whoever believes in me, streams of living water will flow from within them. 
I mean, you read that and you go, man, how can that be true? And the reason that we doubt that, the reason that I read that scripture and often go, I don't know about that, is because my lack of surrender, of control of my life, limits me from experiencing the love of God, which would make that scripture leap off the page and my heart cry out that it's true. When we're not walking in surrender to God, even the Bible can come and condemn us. We must yield to Jesus. He says it's the only way is a kernel of wheat. It has to die. Life will not flow from it if it does not die. Guys, control kills. Heidi Baker, uh, many of you know, she has a ministry in Africa to orphans, and then it came, came, turned into church planning and all kinds of things. You know, she uses this phrase a lot. She says, laid down lovers. That is her description of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. That we surrender ourselves to him. And that is how we become lovers, and so that the, the river of love will flow from within us. I'm going to stop there. I've got a lot more to say, but I think it's time to stop and uh, let you process this a little bit at your tables. Okay? I, just, I just want to make the point again today that the way of Jesus is surrender. That is the way to experience love. Without it, it's a one-way relationship. And God's wanting you to, to know Him and to know His love. So we're going to throw these generic questions up there. And, and um, I want you to start again today. Just, hey, break the ice. Let's talk about something you're thankful for this week. Okay, an event, a moment, a memory. And then you can move into there and just saying, hey, what's the Lord saying to you today as we read the Scripture as you, as you heard you know, me give this message. Um, and then I'll come up in a little bit and we'll, and, we'll, and we'll shift you into praying for one another. Okay? Go for it.